now the gospel of Jesus Christ according to Mark. Now when the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around him, they noticed that some of his disciples were eating with defiled hands, that is, without washing them. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they thoroughly wash their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders. And they do not eat anything from the market unless they wash it. And there are also many other traditions that they observe, the washing of cups, pots, and bronze kettles. So the Pharisees and scribes asked him, why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? He said to them, Isaiah prophesied rightly about you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. You abandon the commandment of God and hold to human tradition. Then he called the crowd again and said to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going in can defile, but the things that come out are what defile. For it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come. Fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Hold me up, God, that I might lift you up. Amen. So this past Tuesday was the 55th anniversary of Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. It's his most famous speech, so I was actually a little bit surprised when I learned that the I Have a Dream part of his speech wasn't originally scripted in. A longtime friend of his reported to Time magazine that gospel singer Mahalia Jackson prompted King when she shouted at him from the audience mid-speech, Martin, tell him about the dream. Martin, tell them about the dream. Inspired, King slid his speech to the side and grasping both sides of the lectern, leaned in and did exactly that. I have a dream today. King's deep voice resonated. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted. Every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain and the crooked places will be made straight. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope. This is the faith that I go back to the South with. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that one day we will be free. Another friend of King's commented, it seemed like the Spirit of God came upon him. 
As King expounded upon his dream, he rattled off a number of examples illustrating this justice that, that God calls us to. Examples of racial equality and the resulting reconciliation between whites and blacks. Dreams of white people and black people sitting down together at the same table. Of black children and white children holding hands and playing together. Examples that at the time of King's speech weren't legal. Jim Crow laws that mandated racial segregation at the time obscured King's dream. It's ironic, I think, how our laws often obscure justice. The irony was not lost on Jesus. Y'all, Jesus is on a roll. He's fed the 5,000, he's walked on water, he's healed more people than you could count. He's famous. Everybody knows who he is. Even King Herod knows and fears him. And the Pharisees and the scribes or the legal experts, they absolutely know who he is. This is not the first time that they've harassed Jesus and his disciples. They've been on their case for a while now, harping on their failure to fast, harping on their Sabbath violations, and now this, hand washing. Now certainly we all know the value of clean hands. We tell our kids to wash their hands before they eat. When I visit people in the hospital, I always clean my hands at one of the sanitation stations that line the hallways. When I sneeze or cough, I try to do so into my elbow in an effort to keep my hands clean. I'll clean my hands today before we celebrate communion with the holy hand sanitizer. We know that clean hands are the very best way to prevent the spread of disease. Clean hands matter, so we wash our hands. Hand washing, though, in the context we encounter in this story was not primarily about sanitizing oneself by scrubbing with soap and water. It wasn't primarily about preventing the spread of germs. It was a tradition of ritual cleansing meant to demonstrate piety. But Jesus, Jesus has this annoying habit of weighing the laws and traditions of his faith and society against what is right and just and meaningful in the moment. It's annoying because for some, including the Pharisees, their laws and traditions have become idols. They hold so tightly to them that they've lost sight of the one they say they seek to honor through these practices. You abandon the commandment of God and hold to human tradition. And then the lectionary cuts out the next five verses. But they're important because right here is where Jesus provides a case study. You ignore God's commandments while holding on to rules created by humans, Jesus continues. And here's the example that Jesus cites. God's fifth commandment says, honor your mother and father. This was understood in part to mean that you would support your parents as they grew older and less able to provide for themselves. There was also a widely held principle referred to as Corban. Corban means an offering that is set apart for God. 
Now, when something's set apart for God, it can't be used for any other purpose. So the Pharisees taught and had begun to practice that if you stated that the money that you would have otherwise used to support your parents has been set apart for God, then you're no longer responsible for taking care of your parents because that money has been obligated otherwise. This was a misuse of Corbin and it had become a rationale for neglecting God's commandment. Jesus reversed this. He had a tendency to violate human laws and traditions when they conflicted with God's commandments, the greatest of which is love. The love, or to love God and to love your neighbor. Martin Luther King Jr. followed a similar principle. He believed that we have a moral responsibility to disobey unjust laws. He was in good company. Gandhi believed that civil disobedience was a sacred duty when the state became lawless or corrupt. And Henry David Thoreau likewise said, anyone in a free society where the laws are unjust has an obligation to break the law. He followed in Thomas Jefferson's footsteps, who said, if a law is unjust, a man is not only right to disobey it, he's obligated to do so. Rosa Parks lived by this principle, even though to do so put herself in danger, insisting that you must never be fearful about what you're doing when it's the right thing. When she refused to surrender her bus seat to a white passenger in 1955, she inspired the black community to boycott the Montgomery buses for over a year. And then these gentlemen, they lived this principle when they sat down at an all-white lunch counter at a Woolworths in Greensboro in 1960. Their refusal to obey human laws at the expense of justice contributed to the evolution of more just laws. When Jesus challenged the laws and traditions of his time, he did so for the sake of demonstrating God's law of love, the love that calls all of us to justice. In the case of hand washing, Jesus said, it's not what goes into us that makes us clean, it's what comes out. Because it's from within, out of the human heart, that our intentions come. The heart was thought to be the center of a person's will and their decision-making ability. So any evil intention comes from the heart and makes our resulting words and actions unclean. It's this that defiles us and dishonors God. It's more important to have clean hearts than it is to have clean hands, Jesus says. Do our attitudes and actions reflect love for God and compassion for others? Or, Jesus seems to wonder, do we hide behind rules and laws and traditions to avoid risking self, to avoid the law of love, and at the expense of justice. We humans, 
We like order and we like structure. I mean, it helps us to feel secure. One of the very first things we try to provide for newborns is an order, a schedule around which they can organize their sleeping and their eating. Children like routine, we say. It helps them feel safe. When we can predict what comes next, we're a whole lot less anxious. And children sometimes get hungry between meals. And occasionally, they need a little extra sleep. And I don't know about y'all, but in my house, when we ignored those signals, it was to everyone's peril. Laws organize our communities and our societies, and doctrines articulate our beliefs, but when we hold them so rigidly that we are no longer able to hear and respond to the heart of God expressed through God's Spirit, we become idolaters. We see it in modern-day society with laws that continue to privilege white people over people of color or wealthy people over poor people. We see it in our modern-day church, the United Methodist Church, whose wording in our Book of Discipline, that book that governs how our church operates, still contains words that discriminate against people who are gay. Jesus asks, will you follow human law and traditions and have clean hands? Or follow God and have a clean heart? It's a good question. Pilate had clean hands. Remember, he washed them right before he sent Jesus off to his execution. Despite his heartfelt intuition that the intention of those who brought Jesus to him were unclean. Clean hands or clean hearts. I believe God's desire for justice seeks a world where hands and heart are of one mind, clean and in full service to God's law of love. Amen.